Welcome to the Jersey Arts Podcast. I'm Susan Wallner. The music you're hearing is by composer Donica Dennehy. From Ireland, he's now an assistant professor of music at Princeton University. Donica has a new opera called Hunger that premiered this year at the Brooklyn Academy of Music's Next Wave Festival. There are no recordings yet, but you can hear live performance of excerpts from Hunger and meet the composer at an upcoming event in Princeton. I talked to Donica recently about his ambitious new work, which is based on diaries and personal accounts from the period of Ireland's Great Famine, sometimes known as the Potato Famine, that took place from 1845 to 1852. I wanted to first ask, why call this an opera? Well, that's a very good question. I've just written an article on that. As to, I didn't know what to call it. Uh, so to begin with, I, and actually I don't call it an opera. <laughs> so that's a clear, uh, so uh, publicity people have called it an opera. But um, I call it a docu-opera because it's all based on documentary sources. And I did flirt with calling it a docu a docu oratorio uh, because it's a kind of oratorio as well in that everything is is source material all the text is source material so everything is either taken from the viewpoint of Asenath Nicholson this American woman who travelled around Ireland and it's from her book or from a text that was extant previously for Irla that was about the famine Naprati Dua um, or from uh, commentators like Paul Krugman, Noam Chomsky, Megan Vaughan, Branko Milanovic and Maureen Murphy. And so I actually f- uh, had a lot of time, kept on wondering what to, how do I categorize this? And then, felt, and then I sort of abandoned the naming conundrum because I felt that if I have trouble naming what it is, that's in a way a good sign. It means that the content is pushing the form. And I suppose there is a kind of mini-history of operas that normal people wouldn't think of as operas, like Philip Glass's Einstein on the Beach, things by Laurie Anderson. And in, in that sense, I thought I didn't object to it being called an opera because, in a way, it fits within that mold more. But actually, correctly, I called it a docu-opera, yeah. The castle Kalinda Sorom and Nuagenis Erluibna Quilles Gliship of Yagrim we were also joined by Irla O'Lennard, one of Ireland's preeminent traditional singers. He's also teaching at Princeton now. Irla is known for his interpretations of the old songs and often sings in Irish. He's the lead singer of The Gloaming, an all-star group that blends Celtic and modern classical music. You're listening to one of their songs now. Irla, who performs in Hunger as the character of Man, collaborated with Donica on the research into the Great Famine for the new opera. I understand that there were fewer songs written during this whole famine period. It was a very obviously depressed time and a a bizarre time for people. 
what does it mean to sort of be putting those voices into a song for you? Well, it is it is true to say that there were fewer songs written in during that period. There's a there's a sort of verifiable gulf, if you like, kind of they call it the, lo- the long silence or the yeah. great silence. Yeah. There are exceptions to that, and they are dotted across sort of the country. But compared to the rest of the chronology of song culture before particularly, even after the famine, sources tell us that it was well into the 50s, the 1850s, before there was any sense of kind of recovery. It had a drastic effect even after the initial recovery. But um, the... I often, I always sense in what I was asked to sing in this opera, a sense of appropriate disorientation, if you like, in my role, in that the text that I was asked to sing by Donoka is is derived from, is an exploded, as Donoka says, version, a deconstructed version of one of one of the surviving songs called Naprati Dua, the, the Black Potatoes, uh, which describes uh, in considerable detail sort of the, the, the struggle at the time with both the crop and sort of the poorhouse politics of of dealing with the hunger, but it's delivered by man, whom I play, in a in a context of really deep disorientation, mm-hmm. of a how can this be happening? B how can I express a, in any coherent way h- how something so awful could be happening to me and my people? So even though I'm using Irish words. They're often sort of tessellated against each other in ways that don't really make semantic uh, sense the way they might have within the song. But the overall effect is that it creates this sense of confusion. And all you're left with, I think, is an audience, I hope. And of course, I have never really discussed this with Anuka as such, but I think the understanding was that you then have to yield to the core of what man is expressing in the music, which is just this incredibly powerful emotion in a disoriented cri de coeur using a mangled language. Because remember as well that the, the, the not only did, did, did a socioeconomic disaster befall Ireland during the famine, but the language also started to precipitate its failure. Yeah, it ended from that. After that was the death of the That was really language. the bullet that, that sent it mm. on its merry way. Yeah. Irla's character, Man, sings in Irish, and it's a beautiful sound. It's a very, you know, it has that bell-like quality. Mm-hmm. And He's um, a great voice, actually. <laughs> he is, in my opinion, the best uh, Shannon singer in Ireland. I mean, he's extraordinary. I want to get to that yeah. Shannon. Yeah. But first, I'm, I'm curious, um, people in Ireland have to take Irish now in schools, right? Do they understand you when you're singing? <laughs> well, I, I was actually giving a, a class here yesterday, and, um, I, and I made the point that uh, on Monday that for the bulk of my career singing anywhere, including Ireland, it's likely that the vast majority of people have no idea what I'm saying in real time mm-hmm. and or even afterwards, um, such as the detachment from the use of the Irish that is deeply set now. I mean, the Irish is still spoken in pockets in the West, but it is in, it is in serious trouble. Despite the fact that people's opinion about Irish has 
somehow or other gone through a refresh in the mm-hmm. last 10 years. They're not as negative about it as they were. But, however, the heartlands are, are failing. And I come from one of those heartlands. I don't mind telling you that it's a, it's a point of sadness, you know. So, yes, nobody really understands what I'm saying. <laughs> so <laughs> so in, in a funny way, I think singing the, the, the disjointed, uh, rearranged, exploded text that Dunica so carefully provided for this opera, that, you know, the language you, you created, this kind of broken up, trying to express a said language is... In some ways, it's symbolic of the state of Irish in in reality ever since the famine. Yeah, actually, and I and also the state of, of identity. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we have a broken identity, and part of that is probably good for us in that we yeah. we are very good at globally adapting. We're an incredibly globalized country, Ireland. It's a, it, Ireland doesn't see itself on its own. It sees itself very much as part of the world, and that's a probably a plus of coming from this. Of the damage of colonialism, as yeah, we're way. not likely to invade anybody. No, because never. We're not that sure of ourselves as uh, a sort of a. We don't believe in it. Anyway. A cultural entity that that can do those kind of things, but we are adaptable. But uh, you know, it was nice working in the language. I've worked with Dunnock a number of times, and this is the second large project I've done with Dunnock. In both cases, he's been, uh, tasked me to sing in Irish, and in some ways, the same sort of way where the main communicative power rests inside the voice and in expression. But of course, that's what the audience hears. For me, the words are the gateway to that. Yeah. Can you give me an example of one of the songs, One Little oh, yeah, Line? Of Neprati. Which, 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 which line would I take from the one we did? Behegri na glore ayia no glory force Harry no drus when gilvan no glory force er fragger doing begging the hospital dig mar vakig heart and so on and so forth <laughs> and uh, I'm glad the conductor's not here because <laughs> I've, I've summarily chopped off several bars there <laughs> yeah, yeah, <but> <laughs> of music to, otherwise I had be to because I was science, waiting for yeah, yeah. I was imagining them there yeah. oh sorry I shouldn't <laughs> very <be> badly so, <laughs> so what were you saying you can chop that up at will yeah um, well it's actually kind of a confused text the way it comes out there begging da aspel deag mar chart in this upside down world in man's imagination even the bishops even 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 belief is upended yes everything is everything you know hell is here uh heaven is god knows where you know you don't have to die to be in hell there was one thing i wanted to do which is i wanted to shy away from being uh, i wanted to keep it away from being too melodramatic in a way even though it's full of emotion this piece is that I, I didn't want to have that it's you know because it's a subject that's so potent I didn't want to just indulge it in this kind of reveling in the misery of it so part of my way of showing the misery of it is to it was to explore to show that his problems with communication in, in relate that like him grasping at God, not sh- sure whether that exists anymore or whether, as he said, that it's 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 hell on earth now. Uh, 
because you know this is when like um we did this kind of conversation beforehand and christine canini said that you know people were so weak dying of hunger and i mentioned this later but this thing about the dogs looking so sleek and you only infer from that that they, they couldn't even defend themselves living they couldn't defend themselves from devouring dogs and, and rats that trying to eat them uh, it was that level of of just world being upended and and i suppose i wanted to show that in the kind of um in the in the friction of the languages you had mentioned before the shanos yeah and um irish music is fairly popular in the united states but i mm. that was this is the first time i've come across that particular word shanos yeah. what exactly is that maybe you could answer Irla. well it means old way old or way. old tradition or old style i like to think of it as old way it's a definition that came in actually in the in the sort of early decades of the 20th century for a kind of an all-encompassing uh, definition for traditional singing, usually in Gaelic, along the western seaboard. I mean, there's quite a variety of Shan Nos. If you listen to the different kinds, you might say they can't be the same thing even. But in the main, it's in Irish. It has sort of attributes that people agree are common, like certain approaches to ornamentation and breathing and text and most of the text that is sung and this is interesting and as Dunica referred to earlier are poems that were written out of an entirely oral tradition in the uh, 18th and 19th century so some of the songs are 300 three centuries old Hunger includes old style songs deconstructed new orchestral music, and a multimedia element. Video clips of present-day thinkers, including linguist Noam Chomsky and economist Paul Krugman, responding to questions about inequality and struggle. This video element seeks to relate the Great Famine of 1845 to 1852 to today's world. That, in a way, is the most controversial strand in in the piece because it serves to politicize it in a way. So, but adding these voices was a way of looking at the sort of causes behind it and looking at some similarities in the world today. I, in that, at the time of the of the famine, which was the also like the height of the industrial revolution, really, income inequality was at the strongest. Re- highest recorded level ever that is until today <laughs> and uh, so we're back at that kind of thing also the infatuation with uh, with uh, this idea of laissez-faire economics is also at, a, at its height again today this is very strong particularly in in america actually so in a way i was thinking maybe this is an american piece more than anything there's two parts of this piece really they're happening simultaneously one is this unfolding tragedy in the past and then the second is this kind of discussion of it uh, in relation to to today, and, and and of course, so that makes this piece something different than maybe just a, an historical melodrama. And it makes it uncomfortable for some people. Perhaps. It does, yes. So that's what adds to the slight level of controversy around the piece. Yes, I, I think it made a lot of people, especially here, with yeah. themselves. Yeah. 
when you performed in, in Brooklyn? Yeah. Well, actually, the audience was incredible, warm response to it there. But, yeah. you, but people are asking lots of questions about it. That's yeah. still a performance yeah. reaction. Yeah. You know, a good one. Yeah. Discomfort. But it was definitely there. Because, mm. of course, I mean, I was struck by Noam Chomsky's comment that you can interfere uh, all you like yeah. with market econ economics when it comes to helping the rich. Yeah. Donica Dennehy and Irla O'Lenard will discuss and perform excerpts from Dennehy's new opera, Hunger, on Friday, November 18th at 4.30 p.m. at the Lewis Center for the Arts at Princeton University. This free event is presented by the University's Fund for Irish Studies. For more information, visit arts.princeton.edu. For more about everything going on in the arts, visit jerseyarts.com. I'm Susan Walner for the Jersey Arts Podcast. Thanks for listening. The Jersey Arts Podcast is made possible by the New Jersey State Council on the Arts, supporting excellence and engagement in the arts since 1966.